0: Man, I feel like the service is already over. After that worship set and Pastor Mark the plumber, my goodness, I've gotten everything I need. Man, I'm excited. You know, I've been a part of this community for a long time, and I've been able to see God bring us together to build the individuals in this community over the past three, four years, but it's been like a a lot more coming in at a much, rapid, much faster rate in the past two years, and he's doing that for a reason. He's got to be. It's not just so that way we can come together and enjoy one another. It's part of it, but it's bigger than that. It has to be. So if you've got questions about what Mark is talking about, come and talk to him. Come talk to me. It'll be continually promoted, but I want you guys to understand what the vision of this church is so that way we can do it together. So if I don't know you, my name's Evan. I'm the pastor down here. I also own cabins out at Mount Rushmore. We're all a part of this church, and we all have avenues through which to bring the goodness that God's given us, not just here. So we're starting week three in our 21 days of intention. And each week, we've been looking at a spiritual discipline that we can hang on to, meditate on, and then hopefully put into action in our lives. Today, we're going to be looking at the Sabbath. Now, when I say the word Sabbath, what comes to your mind? Do you think of Pharisees, a group of religious individuals that held to that law and used it to judge other people? Do you think of the Old Testament? an antiquated law that was given for another time, a time before Jesus? Or do you think of nothing? You may have heard that word before, but really you haven't been taught anything else about it, and so the word comes and goes. You know, for me, I fall into all three of those categories. Whenever I've heard the word Sabbath, which rarely happened, it was talking about the Pharisees, men who rejected Jesus and chose instead to hold to the law and what they could do to please God. Through that lens, I've always seen the Sabbath as inapplicable to my life. Because of that, prior to the last few weeks of studying, I knew nothing about it, and I believed that that was fine because it had nothing to do with my life. But man, I'm beginning to see that I was wrong. The Sabbath is far more than a silly law that the Pharisees clung to, and it's just as much for us as it was for the people of the Old Testament. The Sabbath has so much value for us today because it can be a tool to breathe life back into our weary souls. In case you're already doubting me, or hopefully to whet your appetite, think about the Ten Commandments. I'm sure that somebody in this room, because of a memorization technique in your childhood, could recite them right now. But for the rest of us, it's no other gods before Yahweh. No idols, no using Yahweh's name for the wrong purposes, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, honor your father and mother, do not murder, commit adultery, steal, bear false witness, or covet, right? The Ten Commandments. I imagine that most followers of Jesus would agree that nine out of the ten are still applicable to their lives today. Keep God God. Respect and care for your parents. Don't kill people, cheat on your spouse, lie about your neighbor, or be jealous for what they have. We would agree that all of these principles bring us life and help hold together the fabric of our society. Now, if every other one of these nine are true for us now, why not remember the Sabbath and keep it holy? Now, please know that I am still very much a beginner in this area of study. This morning, my hope is to show you three basic principles about the Sabbath. One, where the idea came from. Two, the importance that it has for our life today. And lastly, the proper motivation for using it. So let's start with the idea of where the Sabbath came from. We'll go all the way back to the beginning, Genesis 2. God just finished making everything that he made. Thank you. Thus the heavens and earth were finished in all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that He had done, and He rested on the seventh day from all the work that He had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work that He had done in creation. This is a verse that I'm sure you've heard before. In Hebrew, the term Sabbath is synonymous with to stop or to rest. So when it says that God rested, it could also have been translated as God took a Sabbath on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. That means that Sabbath is rooted in the foundation of the world. Since the literal beginning of time, Sabbath has been a part of the design of everything created. The creator of everything rests or takes a Sabbath after he does a phenomenal job making the earth and everything on it. Maybe the question of why is in your mind. Why would an all-powerful being need to rest? You know, that's a good and logical question. Here's a thought. I don't believe that he had to rest, but he chose to intentionally rest in order to model to us what we are supposed to do and how we are supposed to live. You know, in Genesis 1.27, it states that humanity, us, was created in the image of God. That means in order to best function, we must emulate our creator. Now, a big part of this is described in the fruits of the spirit, that we need to operate out of love. We need to pursue joy and peace. We need to strive to be patient, kind, generous, faithful, and gentle. We need to strive for self-control. If and when we do these things, life will be as good as it can be because this is how our creator operates. Therefore... This is how we are supposed to live. I hope that concept's making sense. Another essential part of us having the good life is to work hard and then intentionally rest on a regular basis. We see God do this right off the bat in the first two pages of my Bible. And as Derek examined last week, we see Jesus pull away over and over throughout his ministry in order to be still. Sabbath or resting has, some, has been something that God himself has done since the second day of creation and through the second day of our existence and throughout his entire time on earth. God is the only one who best knows how we should live. That is why he continually demonstrates our need to stop. But in order to make sure that his people didn't overlook what happened on the seventh day, God clearly lays out the importance of taking the Sabbath in his manual for living life well that he gave to Moses, also known as the law. Let's look at two different spots. First one's in Exodus, and this is straight out of the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. For six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your son, or your daughter, your male or your female slaves, your livestock and your, or your alien resident in your town. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the seventh day and consecrated it. Now we see something very similar, but slightly different in Deuteronomy 5. Observe the Sabbath and keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. For six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male or your female slave or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the resident alien in your towns, so that your male and female slaves may rest as well as you. Remember, here's a different part, that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day, Now obviously these are very similar. What's different is the rationale given at the end of each for why a person should rest from all their work on the seventh day. And we're gonna examine those a little bit in our last part. First, I wanna hammer home the idea of where the Sabbath came from, where the idea of the Sabbath came from. It is God himself along with all the other crucially important characteristics or rules for a well-functioning society. He is the one that gave us this. Not only did God demonstrate it, he clearly lays it out. We must cease from all of our working. We must regularly stop and rest. Right now you may be thinking that I'm using the Old Testament law, which Jesus freed us from, in order to try to make my point. I used to believe the same thing. Old Testament, the law was for another day. We've been freed. But Jesus did not come to free us from the importance of the law, but from the consequences of not keeping the law. Let me show you where I get this. Matthew 5. Do not think, this is Jesus, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish, but to fulfill. He clearly states he did not come to get rid of the law. I want to show you what he thinks of the Sabbath itself. So in Mark 2, 27, a little context. His disciples, he and his disciples were walking through a wheat field on the Sabbath. His disciples got hungry. They were plucking some grains off the top, and the Pharisees latched onto this as breaking the Sabbath. And this is how Jesus replies. The Sabbath was made for humankind and not humankind for the Sabbath. And this is one to meditate on, Please. The Sabbath was made for humankind and not the Sabbath, or not <clears throat> humankind for the Sabbath. <clears throat> you know, I've always honed in on the second part of this verse, which was directly applicable to the people of their day, the Pharisees. Mankind or Jesus said that mankind was not made for the Sabbath, to a group of people that believed that keeping the rules of the Sabbath was more important than the people themselves. But the first half of this statement. The Sabbath was made for humankind, speaks volumes to our culture. The Sabbath was made for us because it is an essential part of us living well. And I hope you're beginning to understand what I believe the Bible says about the idea of us taking intentional rest from all of our hard work. It is a foundational part of who we are, etched in the very fabric of our being. This means that if we do not take time to stop, then we are going against our very nature. When anything does that, less than ideal things occur. So let's look at the importance of rest for us today. Now before I show you the negative consequences in our lives due to the lack of rest, let me lay out what it looks like for us, 21st century Americans, to not stop. For some of us, you may break Give me a little bit of freshness, okay? Hi guys. So I was <clears throat> I was bitten by I don't know. I'm so turned up.
1: pray please do you want to come up, with us so many of you guys know that uh evan suffers from uh seizures once in a while and um he always kind of told us it could happen when he's speaking so we're gonna stop and pray and ask god to come into this situation Father God we thank you for who you are and how you work and we're, we're, we're talking right now about resting and Lord we just pray for that right now with Evan and in his, in his body and his mind and what's going on we pray that you would calm his heart his soul his mind fill him up Lord with your presence and we pray that you would work Lord in the midst of everything. And so we just want to pause right now, Lord, and give you space and time to work for just healing and pray that his mind will just relax and, and you would just comfort him. So we just we just wait right now, Lord.
0: Thanks, guys. Good. I appreciate it. So... I uh, Like four and a half years ago, I fell, was being lowered um, from a climb, and the rope came out, and I fell like 35 feet and don't remember the first nine days, and they were going to remove half my brain, and just like a month and a half in a um, a brain uh, facility, like... And uh, the last four and a half years have been a heck of a, a turnaround, heck of a time of my brain redeveloping. But now every week or two or three, I'll have these two-minute uh, seizures. Like I just e- experience where my brain gets completely obliterated. Um, and this is the first time that it's happened while I've been standing up here. Um, it's been a really interesting thing to face every eight days, 10 days, 12 days. This one was like three and a half, longest it's been. Um, but it just shows me how little I bring and how it's just all from God that i am broken but the spirit is within me that i my brain is so messed up but God has put me around for here and now for a reason so it's an interesting deal so i'm in a real foggy spot um, but Unfortunately, I got my notes right in front of me, and well, let's just keep cruising with it. And so the second thing that we were looking at is the importance of rest for us today. Now, before I show you the negative consequences in our lives due to the lack of rest, let me lay out what it looked like for us, the 21st century Americans, to not stop. Now, for us, for most of us, to break the fourth commandment by literally doing, we literally break it by doing what it says not to do. We work too much. You may own your own business or be really drawn to your profession, so you may work 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Sunday morning, it's for the church, but then the afternoons often are used to get more of what you need done. You know, I definitely fall into this category. I imagine a lot of you do. But maybe this is not specifically describing you. However, with a lot of certainty, I can say that most of you likely choose busyness over rest, day after day, hour after hour. We live and operate in a culture of distractions. Due to technology, we now have the ability to continually be engaged in work, in relationships, in hobbies, in entertainment, and in pleasure, with the only guarantee is sleep. Through email, social media, texting, websites, and Netflix, there is is literally endless ways for us to stay busy, to be distracted. Because of the power of the smartphone, all these wonderful things are with us every single moment. Because we are so securely tethered to our five-inch glowing rectangular leash, our tendencies, maybe even our abilities to rest is improbable, potentially impossible. Let me give you a stat. The average cell phone user touches their phone 2,617 times a day. That's average. And we do this as much out of impulse as by choice. Let me give you another fact. Smartphones, and social media especially, target the reward center of the brain as a ga- as gambling and or drugs. Dopamine is released in the brain when we receive a like or a notification on the phone. This, in turn, creates dependency in our brain, just as it does with drugs, alcohol, and gambling. The Human brain produces more dopamine when it anticipates a reward, but does not know when it will arrive. For most of us, our closest relationship is with our phone, not our family or our friends or with God. We spend more time engaged with our magic box than with the reality around us. Man, do you agree with what I'm saying? You think about your life. You think about those around you. Let me give you an example from my day, just an average day. I wake up and check my phones. I got a work phone and I got my personal to make sure that all is well with our vacation rental property. I make breakfast, do spend a little time with my kids, but then I grab my phone again and dig deeper into the waiting alerts, right? Because those are all the alerts, the buzzes, the beeps. I will then sit down with my computer and either work on stuff with our vacation rentals or study for upcoming teachings. But while I'm doing this, my phone is sitting next to me, and it'll buzz and beep, and so I'm continually multitasking. And we've learned that 96% of people cannot multitask. You just choose from one to the other, and you do poor at whatever you're doing. You know, after an hour or so, I'll get bored, and so then I will look at a mountain biking app to see how much my friends have been riding, or I'll get on Facebook in order to zone out for a couple minutes or half an hour, right? Then I'll try to re-engage with whatever work I have been doing. Soon, it's time to eat. While I make my lunch or make the lunch for my kids if they're around, then I'm doing a lot of texting. It's a chance to communicate and get back into the people that were wanting to communicate with me. You know, after that, I do whatever lies in front of me, but I always have my phone in my pocket or in my hand, allowing me or, enforcing, or forcing me to stay engaged with people and distractions. And after the workday is done, my family and I will have dinner together, right? And we'll put the phone down. But whenever it buzzes, whenever it beeps, I will leave my kids or sit in the middle of them and be fully distracted by whomever is texting, whatever email is coming, whatever hobby I want to look at. Then we put the kids to bed, right? Roz at that point will watch some show on Netflix and I'll get back into my computer in order to work, in order to be distracted. Nine o'clock is time for bed. You guys relate with this at all? This is a normal day. And I know what I'm describing is not abnormal, but what our culture determines as normal does not mean that it is good. Science is finding that our breakneck pace is causing problems. Because we never stop, our minds, emotions, and relationships suffer. Let me give you a quote. Science is proving an increase in the following due to the increase in technology. Inability to concentrate. Inability, inconsistent sleep quality. Increased stress, a decline in a social life, weight gain, depression, vision problems, lack of impulse control, increased procrastination, decreased creativity, decreased imagination, and increased irritability. That's what they're finding across the board based on what we do with technology. Another one. Numerous studies found that people who felt the loneliest and most isolated were more likely to use technology compulsively. The most frequent users displayed higher levels of depression and anxiety because of technology. And our way of life also has major effects on our spiritual life. Let me give you three quotes from famous people. Carl Jung, he's a really famous psychologist. Hurry is not of the devil, hurry is the devil. Corey Tenboom, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. A guy named Dallas Willard, really good into the spiritual disciplines. Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. What I have found is that when I am always engaged with work or continually distracted with entertainment, I very rarely make time to think about God and his plans for my life, let alone pray or study the Bible. Now, I know that God is all around me, And for those of us that believe that Jesus is God, I know that he is within me. But in order to hear someone, you must stop and listen. And if you don't listen to someone, you may really never get to know them. Our culture's level of busyness is distracting us away from what brings us what we truly want, which is meaningful purpose and genuine contentment. The hecticness of our lives is fooling us into believing that we are busy, that the busier we are, the more we will gain. But the reality is our minds and relationships are being buried by useless things. And this is why God showed us the importance of resting. This is why God instructed us to stop on a regular basis, so that way we can be rejuvenated so that our minds and bodies can replenish, so that our souls can more deeply connect with our creator. And the last one I want to look at is the proper motivation behind Sabbath. Understanding why you do what you do is really important to do things well. According to, human, according to history, humanity often approached the idea of Sabbath or intentional rest in wrong ways. The Pharisees and the Catholic Church are prime examples of people using this life-giving technique to judge others and to bring shame and guilt on those who do not live up. Their example is a main reason why so many of us instantly dismiss this idea of practicing Sabbath. But according to the Bible, their motivation is the polar opposite of what God desires our motivation to be. For the religious elite, they saw the Sabbath as a way that they could earn God's favor by being good. But from what we see in the Ten Commandments, the purpose of the Sabbath is to stop in order to see what God has done for us so that we can trust that God will continue to provide us with everything that we need. Let's look again at the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. For six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall do any work. You, your sons or your daughters, your male or your female slaves, your livestock or your alien resident in the town. For in six days, God made the heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and consecrated it. This last sentence in here gives us the why, the motivation we should have behind our intentional resting. Because for, this, for in the sixth day, of the Lord made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them but rested on the 7th day therefore the lord blessed the sabbath day and consecrated it the reason why god rested was because of everything he had just done and this is why we should this should be one of the reasons why we rest to stop and appreciate what god has done for us if you if we are able to look at our lives through bigger picture lenses then it is almost impossible to miss how little we have done to provide ourselves with our basic needs. Think about the sun rising, the rain falling, and the crops growing. Think about the way that your brain and your body naturally operate. Think about your children and what you did to bring them into existence. Each of these have brought and continue to bring so many good things, and you did little to nothing to make them happen. If we take time to stop that, so that we can look at the good things we have, it'll give us a chance to remember where it all came from, which will produce gratitude. Out of gratitude, we will learn more and more that we can trust God to continue to give us what we need. Hope that's making sense. At the end of the second Ten Commandments, Deuteronomy 5, 15, he gives us one other thing to consider. So it starts with observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Then it says, remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Another reason we should stop from all of our striving is to remember the ways that God has freed you from your own foolishness. If you are alive today, then in your past, God has stepped into your life to keep you alive and to make it better. Some of us have striking testimonies while others are a bit calmer, but we all have stories when God transformed us from broken to a little closer to whole. When we take time to rest and think about how much better our life is because of our creator, this will also produce gratitude. Like I said before, out of gratitude, we will learn more and more that we can trust God to continue to give us what we need. Hope you're seeing that Sabbath can lead to us trusting our Creator more and more. According to these two passages, it seems like a proper motivation for the Sabbath should be making time to reflect on all that God has done for us, not trying to live up to a man-made standard. It should be taking time to notice the good that we have from God, not trying to produce more good on our own. It is ceasing from what we do to ourselves so that we can recognize all that has been done for us by God, by our Creator. When we do this, we will then be be more free and we will have more energy to work hard and to accomplish the things that God created us to do. You know, as I end this, let's think practically about how we do this. Like I mentioned at the beginning, I'm very much a beginner at this. I don't think that I have ever taken a full Sabbath, 24 hours of intentional rest. This is my goal for sometime in the next three months, the remainder of 2020, one full Sabbath. But I have discovered that the idea of Sabbath is more of a way of life than just a set practice intentionally resting out of the motivation of appreciating God and trusting that he will continue to provide us with what we need. And this can be done throughout your normal days. Let me give you some examples I found just this week. Turning my phone to silent and leaving it screened down when I hang out with my family. Just a way. Because I want to focus in on the things that God has given me. Turning my phone on airplane mode when I go on a bike ride. It's still Kind of tracks my ride, which I want to do, but I am not distracted. I am simply enjoying my body and the creation that God has made for me. Leave my phone behind when I go on a date with my wife. You see, Sabbath is not about just sitting around quiet and bored. It's about enjoying what God has given you through that lens that this is from God and I want to appreciate it and thank Him for it. When we do this, it allows us to focus in on the good that God has given you. Without continually being distracted, I'm able to stay in the moment and experience the incredible things that he has surrounded me with. Let me give you a few more. Not looking at my phone until 8 a.m. Think about that one. Just not allowing the leash to be attached to you until the beginning of your day at 8 a.m. Removing all notifications on my phone except for text. This one's huge. I did this like three weeks ago. The only buzz I get is a text. And this allows me to then check my emails at 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., whatever it is, twice a day. It's amazing with those buzzing being eliminated, how much more I'm able to stay in the moment and stay focused on the good that God has for me. Right? And there's endless buzzes, right? So there's so many different apps that want to grab you. And so by removing those, you can practice Sabbath in your day-to-day. It's also this idea of taking mini Sabbaths, you know, shutting off my phone for a four-hour period so that I can read the Bible or a book about the Bible or meditate or journal about my life. By intentionally putting stops in my day, I have found that my mind and my emotions are more energized and more capable for my purposes for that day. Now, these sound like simple things to do, but they go against our culture and against who we are slowly being turned into. To do these things requires me to fight against my natural tendencies, but this battle is worth fighting. If you want to live the best way possible, then you must push into your creator's design. Only then will you be truly alive. You know why Josh and Kirsten and Blake come up to play again? I encourage you to practice Sabbath for the next four minutes. Hone in on who your creator is and what he's done for you. We don't have to think about Sabbath as only a 24-hour period. It's when we hone in on God and his goodness and trust that he will give us what we need. I challenge you, do it now.